is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, Joe, my co-host, Nick and Dan, and it is summertime, so that means we have to uh, pretty much pull some of the most summer, summer, unsubstantiated rumors out of right? thin air and turn them into a <laughs> podcast. So let's see what Editor Jake does with that, if anything. He has to put um, the beat behind it. Come on, <laughs> put the beat behind it. Uh, but as you can tell, we're relaxed hanging out on this Thursday evening, uh, scrubbing Twitter, found some stuff. Uh, like I said, we're going to be doing uh, a lot of just like top headlines as we continue through the summer. Every day there's something new. Uh, so let's talk about that again, just teasing the big keep sell loan pod that's coming this weekend. Uh, we've literally blocked our entire weekends for it. So there'll be nothing but time for it, Dan. And we might even open it up to some some audience members if they if they want. Brandon Busby, it's very hard for the listener to believe that you have a full free weekend just a few weeks before your wedding. And I, I just I don't know how you negotiated that. Uh, quite easy. It's her bachelorette party. Man, it's is it risky that close to the wedding to have the bachelorette party? <laughs> oh, not with her. There's no risk involved. They're at Chisago City, her parents' lake house. It, it would be for us. That's the problem. The local bar is Scooters. We're good. Scooters. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great small town bar name. Oh, oh it's fantastic. perfect. Scooters. Yeah. No, so that'll be good. So, anyways, I hope we don't have any listeners in Chisago City. Uh, but if you do, uh, wave high. They'll they'll be at Scooters and some other places. Uh, they'll anyways, all be wearing London is blue shirts. Very <laughs> yeah, right. easy to spot. Yeah. Super yeah, fans. Right. Um, all right. Well, cool. Uh, I think we'll just touch on the summer tour again real quick because it is coming up very soon. I think we're uh, just under 30 days out specifically, Nick. So um, a lot of cool things are happening. Uh, we're getting connected with a lot of the other groups there because kind of our MO is to be connectors in these in these moments and these opportunities. Yeah, we want to hang. And uh, look, the Vegas plan is coming together. Um, I would keep your Friday night uh, maybe around eight o'clock kind of free-ish. If you wanted to perhaps come and, and hang out with your with your friends, have a couple beers, and uh, maybe get to see a little Matt Law, I, I don't know. I, perhaps that's a thing you'd want to do. I don't know. Uh, we're we're still working on Charlotte and Orlando. If you're a part of those groups, please get at me. I need to need to do you a little uh, chatting up and see how we're going to plan some stuff. Um, but yeah, this is all complimentary to all the numerous activities that are going on. I know Chelsea's throwing Fan Fest stuff. I know that. There are uh, there are Chelsea in America watch party things happening at the I think mostly Rera bars uh, on on the tour. So uh, yeah, just check their website if you're interested in any of that. We're just trying to be an addition and some fun levity and, uh, and perhaps a few drinks. So uh, get involved. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into some of the news that's going on. Uh, before I guess before we do, Dan, we we should. Um, applaud Rudiger for the well-earned award. It would be rude of us to not applaud Rudiger if you know what I mean. Oh, he brought Brandon Busby into the script (laughs) and writing it one more time for the first time in years. It would be rude to not Rudiger. This is is what happens when you let Brandon Busby, free of all constraints and looking to drop little nuggets into the script that I have not yet read, this is what's going to happen. This is a throwback episode, folks. Let's do P- it. PFA, PL Team of the Year. Let's go. So wasn't Thiago Silva higher for much people on their list of, of center back performers this season? 
it was mine. Footballers. He's my player of the year for our team. So if you wanted one defender from Chelsea, I think it probably would have been him. But uh, congrats, Rudiger. Uh, I, I think this is the right call. Um, Rudiger played more matches, was a more consistent presence, uh, scored a couple of bangers, had a lot of shenanigans. I love Thiago Silva, but I think if you were looking at this team of the season, uh, you you can't get past some of his performances against the tough stop position. I think he was fantastic. So, yes. Uh, I think for Chelsea fans, Dan, uh, we voted Silva more because he's going to be here. Uh, definitely the Rudiger leaving. Uh, nah, it's just not the nicest way to end the season, even though it was phenomenal for him. So that's why I put well-earned, all right, for him. But uh, we move on to the future, which is not in Tony Rudiger. Uh, and at this point, Jules Koundé is, I, I would believe, a formality, except here's my problem. We continue to, like, dabble on price, Nick. It's $65 million, but there's an $80 million release clause. We remember the drama from last season. I don't trust Sevilla more than I can throw them. But Fabrizio Romano is saying that he is still a priority for Chelsea. Tuchel wants him. Talks are well advanced on the player side. More advanced than Lukaku to enter? We don't know, but that's a story <laughs> for another day. So anyways, uh, no official bid, but it, I mean, it just, again, seems like a formality at this point. Wake me up when September ends on this one. I mean, Deal. good Lord. I Pay it or don't. <laughs> I, I, I mean, 80 million pounds for this player, or 80 million euros, I should say. Sorry, not pounds. Whatever that is in pounds, 70 some odd seems extraordinary when you know he, he's not your typical center back profile um it's also extraordinary as you've listed here with a little chart uh brandon brandon's bringing the charts into the into the script again love to see it it's fantastic uh, i believe there is another player who had a fantastic season in Serie A. um i forget his name again what's his name brandon um good old fick Fikayo Tamori, that's right, uh, who's an extraordinary, extraordinary uh, player. Uh, th they do different things well. Um, and Jules Koundé on this chart that you have listed is not as physical or does not defend as well as uh, Fikayo Tamori, but does a little bit better passing, has a little bit better vision, and is a little bit of a better header of the ball, which is surprising. So... I don't know. I'm kind of Dan. What What are your thoughts and feelings on the old uh, on the stats bomb chart here that Brandon pulled in? It's not stats bomb. I don't know what 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 third party website did you pull this from? These things don't even look like. Did you make this? Is this Microsoft Paint? Is this what you did, Brandon Busby, in your free time putting this together, coming up with some data sheets, some charts, some visualizations to make your point in your case? Oh. Sorry, guys. Can't make the last 10 recordings. Got to work on my spreadsheets. You know, that's old, that's old Busby right there. Look, I, 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 I mean, yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> it'd be great if Fakao Tomori was still a Chelsea player, but uh, that is not the option. Uh, you know, I mean, look, there's there's rumors that they're going to tie him up to a longer term deal as well. I think that there's a lot of excitement within the Chelsea community still about Jules Koundé. I think there's excitement about anyone who potentially is the first <laughs> signing in our uh, defense that needs uh, a massive number of replacements at this point in time. And I think at this point, it's more just wait and see if it actually ends up happening. Uh, you know, I think the thing is, last time we had a price, we agreed to a price. Sevilla was like, oh, about that price. We want more. Yep. And it kind of destroyed the deal. So let's see if they want to act in good faith and they actually want to help make the deal happen this time. Brandon, we are at the point of the transfer window. This happens every single year. 
We're and just open, everyone, by the way. Just yep. open. Officially, officially open. Uh, this is the point in the transfer window every single year where people are getting antsy and they're like, I don't know, any rumor I see would be great. Any player anywhere, come to Chelsea Football Club. You're going to make our team win the Champions League. And if if we put out a fake profile on Nick Verlaney as a five foot eleven and a half center back, uh, people would uh, undoubtedly go sign Verlaney. Where is he at? Clearances great. Nicol- very, Nicolas Vernsteiner. <laughs> very he's he's wide, you know. Uh, so there's some width there, which is some you know. So it's just I don't know, guys. Just like. Take it easy. I know that Erling Holland went to City already. I know that Liverpool is going to do a deal for Darwin Nunez. I know we haven't done any deals yet, but like, it's not as if the club's not talking to other players. Like they they're doing stuff. It's just not as public as you'd want it to be. Look, Chelsea have to do a lot bigger business than either of those two clubs. They're literally going to look for one to two signings just to refine their already top team. Uh, but yeah, this is probably the time of the summer last year when one uh, Nick Verlaney tweeted that uh, he right. is happy that Romelu Lukaku was coming and that these right. Holland already, fanboys. <laughs> already addressed this. I already addressed it's, this on the recording you missed. It's just uh, still so fun. Let's, um, let's, keep, you know. let's keep her moving. As and if I, you guys really don't trying to talk live about, down that David Luiz. Yeah, I just say, as if you guys don't talk about David Luiz every summer. Like, so I just need that to go away, Nick, and you happen I've, to be the person to take the throne. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yep. Uh, tweets that will live in infamy, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. At least you did own yours. I think I deleted mine. Uh, like the respectable <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coward. <laughs> Leave it up. Oh, it's on a podcast. Uh, what about Raheem the Dream, friend of the pod, Matt Law, here to explain, Dan, that the exclusive is Chelsea are interested in Raheem Sterling with Man City exit very possible. There's growing fear that Sterling could leave Manchester City this summer with club keen to avoid losing him for free in 2023. Um, well, guess what? He's got a year left. Barca's interested. Weird. Apparently, they're interested in everybody. And him... They have no money. They have zero money. They need a 750 million euro loan to stay solvent. No one cares about what Barcelona wants. They'll get it because they are able to generate crazy amounts of cash. You see that you and eight, 17 of your, your buddies can play on the Camp Nou pitch for 300 pounds a person. They're renting the field. Yeah, they're going to have to do 45 million of those appointments, okay? Like, it's I don't care who they want. They can right. sign Pedri up to a billion-dollar release clause. That's the only way they're getting out of this debt, all right? Well, okay. Well, it's relevant. And then him, like almost everyone else that is in this one, Dan, uh, they need minutes ahead of the World Cup. They need to be in, uh, in a spot to uh, make the roster. So, uh, Raheem, Raheem the dream. So... I don't understand why I would be excited about getting the players that Manchester City is willing to move off of as they refresh their attack. Now, I think we've said before, and I've said before, getting Premier League proven talent is something that, Mm -hmm. from an attacking standpoint, is worth valuing. I, I think that I'm not saying that Raheem Sterling isn't a good signing. I'm not saying that... Gabriel Jesus, we'll talk about as well, is not a good signing. Um, Sounds like it. I am just cautious of players who've got a, gotten a chance to work in a system that creates a lot of opportunity and has had a chance to convert against that opportunity, Nick, versus coming in here where we still feel like the chance creation is the opportunity from midfield perspective, and now we're refreshing 
one to two more attackers or looking at additional attackers. Uh, yeah, Dembele also mentioned as well. I I just it doesn't feel like that's where I I perceive the focus to be. I guess to me this feels like the knock on effect from the club really pushing to get Lukaku out and trying to have some semblance of an attacker that can come in and and replace or be the extra ad. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll rattle off some stats for him. Big stats guys, everyone knows. And, you know, I just, look, I love stats. And I stalling so he can pull up a stats website. He's Googling Raheem's stats. Just just (laughs) let me, just let me, let me shine. Um, Last year, Premier League, 13 goals, five assists. Champions League, three goals, two assists. XG, 14.4. That'd be our highest, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Albert's was highest with twelve point two. Yep, non XG is twelve point XA is four point. So he's a proven goal scorer, but he's not a creator in in like the traditional sense. And like, I think my point around him is that stats can sometimes tell a part of the story, right? Like he's in the ninety second percentile for non penalty goals. Okay, cool. We we do need to convert chances, right? I mean that makes sense, but. Uh, he plays in a system that creates a ton of space and a ton of opportunity. The reason I would be excited for him, where I know that's not the predominant theory on on him by a lot of Chelsea fans, I'd be excited about him because he moves well in the box. He does not stay static. And to me, if you're looking to add goal-scoring potential and Chelsea play against all these low-block teams famously that we have trouble breaking down. He's a player who will take a chance and crash and he will do a spin move and try and get free and he'll draw penalties and stuff like that. So I I mean, I see why Chelsea might be interested in him beyond just the Premier League proven stuff. But to Dan's point, he's 27, right? So he's, I think, kind of in that like end of his prime territory, maybe has one or two more years of prime and if Man City would let him go, you really question why. Well, okay, um, we won't even touch the the point that this is not a position we need unless we're going to release three players, you know, True. for nice sell-on fees. Um, but he is an experienced winner, right? He does have the me- mentality, he has experience, four Premier League titles, one FA Cup, five League Cups. Uh, He grew up in London, so coming back home sounds like it's something of interest to him. But he has had a bit of a testy relationship with the Chelsea fans over the years, so I wonder how that would would go. Um, I'm sure it would would settle very quickly. One positive sign is if you're looking at you know, the last couple of years, right? So he's had decreasing minutes over the past few seasons, uh, 4,000-ish for uh, combined matches, 1920, 3,700 minutes, the uh, 2021 3,100 minutes last year. Um, He actually had more goals, um, only two fewer assists uh, last season than the season prior. And so, like, his overall goal contribution, uh, goals plus assists, uh, actually went up season over season uh, per 90 that he played. And so, uh, even though he maybe didn't get the same minutes in the attack, he is still finding, you know, was finding a way to contribute when he was coming in. And so, I think there, is it the type of signing that you would get over the moon excited about no could it be sneaky good yes to brandon's point do you have to clear a lot of players out to make space absolutely and that's probably the first problem to figure out yeah, he's not getting minutes at city i mean he is but it actually cooled off at the end of the season he didn't play in a lot of the finals um so he wants minutes and again 
if you just slot him in, like he goes one of eight attackers, uh, which is not what really he wants. And then again, the the, the kind of proverbial question of the the rhetorical question is: Would City sell to a rival? Uh, in in print, in do, do City view us as a rival? <laughs> that's that's the question, and I don't know if they do. One other thing to consider here, right? Um, he's right footed. All of our left wingers are right footed. <laughs> um, if you think about Timo Werner, or Christian Pulisic, or any of them, uh, so just perhaps someone with a left foot would be a good signing. I don't know. Just. There I go thinking again and trying to trying to create something out of nothing. But yeah, I mean, like again, if if this is what happens and he becomes a Chelsea player, support him, and you know, or or go find someone else. I don't know. Yeah, silly long way, season. Long ways off from that. Yeah, at this point. Uh, but is Gabriel Jesus ready to resurrect his career? No. All right, friend it, of the pod, is, Naz, breaking it down. Is he? Oh, nice. <laughs> Chelsea opened a 25 million euro Lukaku loan as club eyes. You're you're so bad. Jesus as potential replacement. Uh, Chelsea are considering making a bid for Jesus, who's valued at 43 million pounds, to which I stupidly said, says who? Uh, And Transfer Market actually clearly has him pegged right at 43 million. Um, Anyways, Transfer Market does these interesting rankings that I've actually never really looked into before. Uh, he's considered like the 32nd best player in the Premier League. He's the ninth best player at Man City. Is he? Is he? Uh, he's the eighth best attacker in Brazil. So anyways, take that for what you want. Uh, I found that just to be extremely random and interesting. Um, but again, I guess we're down to us and Arsenal. So that's interesting. Again, and they're he's very motiv- excited. They are very <laughs> excited about Jesus potentially going to them. Yeah. Um, he's obviously motivated for a World Cup roster spot. Once more regular minutes, yada, yada, yada. Again, do we need another attacker? Probably not. Um, but if you look at his player profile, Nick, he's, he's very different um, from obviously Lukaku and even put Timo Werner in there. Uh, his radar is much more expansive over Timo's. Uh, Lukaku definitely has the things he's really good at, like heading and being physical. Um, but Jesus, from what I can tell, his where he was really good was like his movement off the ball and his runs. I think his like finishing at the end of the play is lacking at times, but it seems like he's really good at keeping the play moving and being fluid and making runs off the ball. He's not a big number nine. He would be a a player who who you know would need a lot of movement, would interchange with people to find space. Um, but again, like he, w- he would need a playmaker behind him, I think is the problem. And a focal again, point around him, I think, too. I, I never, ever, ever want to sign a forward who is not a lethal finisher ever again. Like that is the point. Um, you know, I think if you look at his stats last year, eight goals, eight assists. I think the eight assists would surprise people. Four goals in the Champions League, one assist in the Champions League. So 12 and nine, not a bad return overall for a player who only played like roughly 2,100 or 2,200 minutes. Like that's you know, decent. 2,600 when you add in uh, domestic cups. And, oh, the uh, cups. Yeah, well. yeah, so he featured there frequently. And he's, mm-hmm. in, he's in the 92nd percentile for assists among you know attackers and wingers and stuff but like again this is personally if you're gonna pay that for him then i want you to go get in cuckoo 
or Nkunku, I should say, from RB Leipzig. <laughs> I, uh, that that makes more sense. You're going to spend twenty or thirty million pounds more for a player who is about to be in the prime of his career and who is had a just had a banner year. And I know he's he plays his football in the Bundesliga, and we've been burned before, but. Uh, take that 43 million pounds and apply it elsewhere, please. All that's right. how I feel about that. All right. Thank well, you. Uh, Thank uh, you for coming to my TED talk. Dan one and two, but that's fine. I mean, they, you know, we're talking about, you know, attackers and things like that. And I also wonder, are man said he just pegging players to Chelsea? Because we know that works on both sides, right? I think as Chelsea fans, we need to remember that these journalists, and this is from Naz, we love Naz, but the headline's not. The headline's just from Goal. This could be coming from the Man City side or the Gabriel Jesus side, right? There's a lot of different players when it comes to a transfer, and a lot of different people are leaking things. Like his agent could be like, oh, yeah, Arsenal made an inquiry, uh, but we're going to say that Chelsea are also interested as well. Drives up the price, drives up demand, different things like that. So, you know, a lot of these could be false flags out there. And it, for whatever reason, just Gabriel Jesus kind of seems like that to me. It Like it doesn't make sense really on a lot of levels for Chelsea why they would be interested in uh, pursuing a player like this. And we are clearly at a different level than Arsenal. Um, I think he probably fits Arsenal a lot better. Like we're looking to replace Romelu Lukaku. Jesus ain't it. Not, not to out one of the tinkermen, you decide which one this was. Oh, the tinks. One of them said he seems very arsenally. So, you know, just just consider that for your own, for your Rude. own. Uh, yeah, look, I'm just saying. Just, I don't know. Uh, Do you want arsenally players at Chelsea? I, you know, personally, no. It actually usually goes the other way. Chelsea mm-hmm. to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, some food from thought. Friend of the pod, Ollie Glanville, tweeted that buying a non-number nine forward this summer also leaves the door open for a Tammy buyback in 2023, of course. But whoever get this window is someone Tuchel has asked for. I like this. I like the cut of this guy's jib, and I like the idea of where we're going here. Which Sounds is... like you've drank with him. Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 I have. Um, we, we, put in, we put in a shift. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my liver is still paying for that uh, quite dearly, I might add. And in general, if you think about Tammy's trajectory and you think about what another season being the lead striker in an attack, uh, the way that Mourinho has kind of continued to work with him this season, potentially get him one more year and then bring him back. That is a very, very interesting prospect as he continues to, to flourish and shine. I mean, this is where I think the idea or the concept of a Dembele move makes more sense. And, like, we actually played some of our best football when we were, like, the fluid front three. Like, can we just not do that again? Like, can we not just move to, like, the interchanging attackers, no central focal point? It worked for City this past season. And, like, go reinforce other areas of the pitch where we have, like, multiple positions to fill? Because that seems like a smart idea. This all seems so smart. I don't think Tammy's going to come back while Tuchel's here. Like, can I just say, like, don't I don't, I don't, I, I want him. Like, I would, I wanted him to play a lot more last year, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, you know, maybe Ollie knows something I don't, and he almost always does, but I, I just, I don't see that as a logical thing that would happen. And, and again, if you're Tammy Abraham and you're now in the England squad and you're, 
being considered for a World Cup, like you need to play football and you're going to start every match at Roma. <laughs> I mean, you are going to start every single match and he's going to continue to grow and thrive. And like, I don't blame any of these guys for going to Italy, going to Germany, going to Spain and, and becoming their best selves instead of being on the bench at Chelsea. I, I totally get it. All right. Well, speaking of uh, players we need, defenders are up next. But before that, we're going to take our ad break. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. Like I said, we get back. We're going to look at defenders, three of them. So thank you to sponsors again. We'll be right back. All right. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well, it's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and and fat and now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables it's just hard to eat that many servings a day so uh, i started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient i'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable resistant immune system so what is this stuff well with one delicious scoop of ag1 you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food sourced superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all of the things Again, I do it. It's easy. It's fast. It's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it. It, it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say, give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, quick look. A defender at last again I was looking at these headlines and it's just attacker attacker and I'm like why we we have no defenders under contract the ones we do want to leave like we got to figure something out here and that's not even addressing the 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 gimped up midfield that we crutched through this season with and now we're down so Niguez, uh rightfully so and so Christian Falk um a bit of a, a personality on Twitter saying that Chelsea FC have on their list for new defenders, uh, Kim Pembe from PSG, uh, Matthias Delict from Juventus and Jules Koundé, obviously no surprise. Uh, and then offensively, it says that Thomas Tuchel would also like to work with a striker, Gabriel Jesus. Again, we're just going to forget that last part as I just kind of said, I don't believe it. Um, but we have Kim Pembe or Delict, which I find to be, uh, pretty interesting. Delict leaving Ajax after they made it to the semifinals. They got dumped out of the Champions League by Spurs. Uh, actually, like wildly embarrassed. It was very embarrassing. They were completely up, and then um, they just let. Uh, Anytime um, you lose to Spurs is embarrassing. Uh, whoever the Brazilian winger is, Lucas just torched yeah. them. Uh, anyways, he's Juventus are in a bit of a weird spot. A little bit of rebuilding. Milan obviously won the the Serie A title there, the Scudetto. Um, they kind of have to figure out what they want to do with their team. I think what Chiellini just retired. Yeah, shout uh, out to Dan Sills. 
So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be available, but uh, I mean, Delict on paper looks like a really, really strong center back option. Nick, I, I want to hear Dan's thoughts on this. Uh, I've already done a tiny mic on Matthias Delict, so I want to hear Dan. Well, you know, Dan judges players by minutes, and he's got a lot of minutes played in the last three seasons. So, I I go back to. I, I go back to invalidate myself and say that Premier League proven would be uh, really nice, like a, a Fafana or someone of that nature, who to me is a center back option that I would necessarily like. I would go over spend for relative. Like, I don't know what you think Delish is going to cost Chelsea. And I think if it's a difference between, you know, a 20 million pound difference, potentially, I probably go with someone who's played in the Premier League, like just in, in that scenario, unless I am like severely uh, asset uh, asset poor to be able to make that happen. I, I just, I don't know. Juventus haven't played exciting football. I think it's an okay signing, but is it great? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, attacking or exciting football, he's a, he's a center back. <laughs> he is only 22. I think he's got a great uh, frame. I'm sorry. Did you watch Antonio Rudiger just ball out the last couple of years? Because center backs can be very exciting. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. What I also, though, he's not Premier League proven, but he's definitely Champions League proven, right? I mean, he's been playing in the Champions League since he was a teenager, uh, which I think is, is important. You know, he's played four seasons in the Champions League, um, has, you know, over 3,300 minutes in that competition, which, which isn't easy. So, and he's made it to the semifinals. He's made it to the round of 16 the last three seasons. He knows what pressure is. He's at a big club. So I think there's still the mentality side of it. Um, you know, he's going to be expensive. 70 million euros right now is what he's valued at. Uh, when I put his radar over Christensen's, cause I thought this was kind of an interesting, um, comparison in that sense, since they're both essentially young right footed center backs, um, like credit to Christensen, like far better defensively. Uh, Delict is obviously much better at heading. Uh, he's a little bit better in attack, but I, I mean, they're they're kind of comparable. Here's, here's why I wouldn't be excited. Uh, just because I I think this is a fun game to play. Which is what does FB Ref say? Are they similar players? And let's kind of go down the list. We'll, we'll cherry pick some out of the top ten here. Um, and on that list are players like uh, Atletico Madrid's uh, Felipe. Rafael Varane, Harry Maguire. I mean, that's not that's not exciting to me. I got I got very disinterested now. I'm done. I don't need to go through the rest. Very much cherry picked. The um, uh, the Kempembe one's a little bit more interesting to me, um, and I think it's more interesting because they've worked together before, and they had some really great success together before. Um, Kempembe is also, I think when I've watched him play for France seems really physical, like Premier League ready, uh, from a physicality standpoint, aggressive, right? I think Delict would be too, uh, to be fair, like Delict was, I think maybe a little too aggressive in our Champions League ties this year. Um, maybe, maybe got caught out a little bit, but the Kempembe one's interesting. I agree with Dan though. Like if give me Fafana. Every day of the week, twice on Tuesday. I, I really think he's a player. And, you know, again, if you're if you're looking at Koulibaly, you're looking at uh, Kempembe, you're looking at all these other defenders, I, th- I think Fafana has a lot of Rudiger in him. And 
without Rudiger, we could use a little bit of Rudiger right now. Just my personal thoughts. Nick on Kim, or I'm sorry, Dan on Kimpembe. You know, I got some data in there. If you want to pull any of my look, uh, look at all the data that he's put Dan. in here, Dan. You yeah. like the minutes? I'm, I'm not looking at your Microsoft Paint uh, charts that you put together. It's uh, very unfortunate, actually, and really can't you know just barely can't even look at them. Um, you know, not in the super high percentiles for any of the pressures, tackles, interceptions, uh, clearances, or aerials. One. Um, so like that's kind of interesting. Like, uh, can I can I put a little stopper on that though, Dan? Yeah, he plays he plays in Liga. Like th- this is not like I don't think he's going up against like elite level opposition a whole lot, and I think that would potentially change in the Premier League because of the system that we play. And like I would almost look at his stats from when he played for Tuchel a few years back to to maybe be a little bit more comparable because like I saw the same stuff that you did and I was like hmm why do why does anyone like him if he's in like the 20 or 30th percentile in this stuff I don't really know if that's a fair point because he's playing under Poch now and that's a weird thing yeah and if you think about it like the what I will say is they uh did not have great success uh this past season um or uh, last season um, in terms of their performance in the Champions League. So maybe that's kind of the where you could draw a little bit of like, well, they, they kind of went out. Like there's obviously a lot behind it. It's not just one player. But uh, if we're trying to maybe kind of add more of like an apples to apples comparison, I guess that's where you would kind of point to like, well, that defense wasn't capable of uh, withstanding uh, some, some, you know, po- a potent attack um, and kind of making it through into the later rounds. All right, tiebreaker goes to Kempembe. He's left-footed. We clearly could use someone with that uh, <laughs> skill set, uh, just like Nick was talking about in attack. Uh, but I just threw in the player radar for Fofana versus Kempembe, and Kempembe is a far better just defender and passer. Um, this is not. I mean, if you looked at it from last year, how did you put how did you put this graphic together so quickly? Uh, mm-hmm. I, he's a wizard in paint. Uh, w- w- are you pulling this from the previous year or uh, last this year? This is all seasons. Let me all seasons. Let me okay, lockdown. Like I was about to say, if last season's in there, like he only played seven matches because he was he had the ACL. Yeah, uh, Fafana did. So I don't know if that's necessarily a, a fair comparison either. But uh, you know, Fafana is in the 68th percentile in interceptions and 76th in aerials one and. Pressures and tackles are down, but he also plays in a really shit Leicester system where he has to rescue them a lot. Uh, so, anywho, just All a right. thought there. All right. Well, uh, this uh, next headline is a personal favorite. It says, uh, just to rile Nick up a bit and for all of us to share a laugh, this is from uh, New Blues uh, friend of the of all of us, uh, Jacob Steinberg, who is breaking news <laughs> all throughout this this last spring. Friend uh, of? Huh? Friend of? Friend of Chelsea fans. Think so? Uh, I think well, you're thinking about the wrong no, person. No, 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 let me let me just put that out there, right? Everyone will engage with this one. You just let me put the hooks <laughs> out there, Dan. You, you sit there and you listen. Uh, Manchester United interested in signing N'Golo Kante this summer. Midfielder's contract expires next year, and fitness issues are a concern, but still hard to see Chelsea strengthening a rival now. My mans, hold up. <laughs> United are notes. not a rival. <laughs> like, Dan, this is the punchline. Friend of Chelsea fans, because my man's got jokes. Yeah. Look, I, I don't know if anyone's going to want to consider themselves uh, a friend of individuals when you had to lock down your Twitter account for, 
for one to two yeah. days. Yeah. Uh, Mistakes due to uncovering old tweets that probably were not super kind. Um, this it seems like total nonsense. So we should just go to the legitimate yeah, questions like, from listeners. Yeah, my man's working on some stand-up material. Just it hasn't <laughs> quite landed yet. You know, we should try it on TikTok. Te- you should see what happens. Testing it that's, out. That's where all the, the, the TikTok humor. Figure out if it works for you or not. Yeah, if you're going to sell N'Golo Conte, um, it's not going to be to anyone in the Premier League. I don't think so. N'Golo would do it, but if anyone would buy him and pay too much, welcome Manchester it be, United. It would be Man United. Yeah, Juan Mata, Nemanja Matic. <laughs> I mean, like, they're going to they're gonna pay $65 million for him and then get just, a year out of him. Just as Pogba leaves so they don't get the best out of Pogba. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So amortize. If only that. we had signed Golo Conte for them four years oh, ago. Man. Think about what would have happened. It'd be amazing, God. See, look at this. They're both smiling. All right, it worked. My my joke worked. All right. So here's some burning questions from our friends, uh, Twitter, Discord. Uh, first one from Craig Jenkins, as we alluded to earlier. Where the hell are the signings? We're getting them done on the women's side. Done. Oh, Tim Morse. Will the women's team have a better chance or window than the men's team? Yes. Wow. They shouldn't, though, should they, Nick? No, they shouldn't because they're stacked already. But I think they're going to make one or two more really like they're going to they're going to put it out that they're ready for a big challenge next year. And uh, I think I think Todd Bowley is going to want to show the world that he's dead ass serious about this women's team. I wonder if 200 million is for all teams or just the men's team. I would guess that there is another pot of money for the other teams uh, as they all operate with separate budgets. Okay. A- Emma Hayes got the, uh, the is Donald Duck in it, or what's uh, Scrooge McDuck in it with the uh, <laughs> yep. the vault that she's got. <laughs> Just diving in head first. Oh, into the, the, the rich duck, whichever one that one was. I don't remember. It was, it was Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck. It was Scrooge. Yeah. Oh, uh, Disney Dan at it again. Uh, Taylor saying, so when will they be accepting applications for director of football? August of I have. I have formally put in my application. Um, you know, I, Sorry, is that, is that uh, actually, job open this is the notice LinkedIn? that you formally have been yeah, so uninvited if, to participate in the process. Uh, yeah, look, uh, <laughs> <laughs> somehow the PGA Tour has already banned me from future competitions as well, so that's fun. Um, wow, that's but no. crazy. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Um, but yeah, look, I, I don't think they're going to take applications. I think they're going to identify a person that they want to run, uh, you know, if, if they do do this, by the way, it's a big, if we don't know what's going to happen, if they do this, they're going to cherry pick who they want. There will be no application process. It will be post summer and most likely, and it will be, if it does happen to the point you're making, and it will be a selection process to the point you're making where they will interview candidate like they will basically invite people to participate in the interview process it will not be a open an open casting call for director of football like a reality tv show well and and if they're smart uh neil bath emma hayes thomas tuchel will all take part of those interviews because these are the people who this person would be directly responsible to and who would be responsible to todd bully and so you know i i mean if that does happen, yeah, you might get one or two, but it'll be with the eye to pick the one that you think is going to be the best. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, like Dan said, probably after the window. All right. Remember, the Premier League starts early this year. 
earlier than normal because of this dumb Winter World Cup. So Supposed it's going to have to be pretty quick. So on Andres asks, who's going to be in charge of pocketing Holland next season? Well, this is a fun thought exercise. I like, yeah, I like this question. I, I So he's going to play centrally, which means it wouldn't be someone like Reese, most likely. Though I feel like Reese James versus Holland would be really fun, just like on a, a one-on-one type scenario. And I, my money would be on Reese James 100% of the time, 1,000% of the time. Um, Do you remember when Reese James crunched Dan Byrne, who was about... <laughs> a foot and a half taller than he is and just left him in a, in a pool of his own excrement that that could happen. That would be kind of interesting. Um, I would go Trev big Trev against, against Erling Holland fireworks Trev energy. There you go. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I have Trev just in the sense of like, why not? He'll probably be the only one that can catch him. Uh, is he just runs like Terminator down the pitch in his, <laughs> his robotic it's, it's style. Two, it's, it's two people. It, it, it's most likely two Delict. people working together because I think, oh gosh, because I, I think it's going to be really difficult. I think it's going to be, it. I, I'm not looking forward to the first city match of the season where we play them. Yeah, I am not either. Sure. The schedule should be coming out soon too, shouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, great. remember, the top six clubs are <laughs> do not want to play each other in the build up to the World Cup, which is another fun little wrinkle that they have advocated for that, uh, you know, 14 other Premier League teams are not happy about. Mm, yeah. Uh, RJ, what will be the board's overarching strategy uh, when it comes to their transfer philosophy? How will the club approach the management of its academy, loan system, and transfer policies? What are the board's plans to enhance the club's global footprint? Uh, well, about that application process, RJ, if we, <laughs> if we knew, uh, we would be in the running for that director of football. Um, but I still think that there's some things we can pull out of this a little bit, guys. Um, you know, everything from Bully and what he's talked about with the Dodgers and what they've done there, right? Um I thought it was really interesting. I and I, I apologize. Actually, I think it was the fan cast. They were talking about um, surprisingly uh, how baseball and the farm system in single A, double A, triple A up to the majors is far more translatable to the Premier League than like an NFL mm. or an NBA, where so that you just draft and buy the best players and that's it. So I found yep. that really interesting because if the Dodgers are good at promoting players or getting them through their farm system to their first team that's what Chelsea does as well. And if they have a proven track record of bringing players through, you would expect that that would translate at Chelsea. So I think that there's a really good chance um, that we see this pipeline from the academy and the loan system continue because the baseball operations at the Dodgers already do it. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think that's a good shout. I mean, I, uh, to be honest, like we don't know what the overarching strategic philosophy is yet, and I don't think that they know well, yet. Winning. They've been on the job. We should probably keep it really high level. They definitely are yeah. going to pursue winning. I mean, they they seem serious, but I, I don't... They've been in the job for two weeks, guys. <laughs> like, I mean, that'll take time to craft, and they're going to need to consult Neil Bath, Emma Hayes, Thomas Tuchel, Petr Cech, a bunch of other people within the club to figure out what that is. And if Todd Bully and co are uh, as smart as we're led to believe that they will be doing that frequently and uh, intensely over the next couple of months to figure out how they set themselves up for next year. Right. And, and cause next year I think is the real time where we can 
throw some judgment on how they're doing. This year is is a bit of a free pass for me because of all the shenanigans that are happening. I think the one thing that we can say without a doubt, Dan, is that the global footprint will grow. The 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 marketing arm of Chelsea Football Club is is likely to get a huge injection of uh, cash and attention uh, to be one of the biggest clubs in the world and to pull in revenues uh, and f- new fans from all over the world and to do things like the summer tour in the States this summer and to probably go to Asia at some point and, you know, just to be present as in as many markets as humanly possible and to, to grow it. So I, without a doubt that is going to happen. Well, it's been two years of not being able to do these type of events. And I know that there's criticisms around uh, the, the cost of it for supporters, which I, I think is, is you know, that there are some fair criticisms. I mean, Chelsea does not control the uh, current global situation um, planned to come on this tour before, uh, you know, uh, certain situations have unfolded and, you know, they don't control airfare prices, you know. So, I mean, obviously, it, it, you know, look, it, it, it is going to be challenging for some people to make it happen. I think we're looking forward and we're very fortunate to be going. Uh, and you know, I'm sure everybody else who has an opportunity to do that is going to feel that way. And, this is just the first of many activities that they are going to get up to and get into to grow and expand the number of supporters that this club, this football club has. You know, if you think about anything, the commitment of billions of pounds in investment for this club is an important part, an important, you know, financial commitment to make this blossom, make it grow, make it something special. And so I think that's the thing that I would anchor on is that, you know, they, they have a, fiduciary <laughs> commitment uh and responsibility to to growing it um in addition to i think the everything that bully has done with the dodgers um to make it grow as a sporting organization uh, which in turn helps their end goal or one of their end goals which is to increase the value of the club uh piggybacking off that aj asks is our philosophy the same with new owners do you guys think that signings like tiago silva will will continue to show that the club can invest in players that are 30 or older. Um, maybe even like a, a Lewandowski, as we're seeing, he still seems to be highly productive in his 30s. Nick, I saw your mustache nodding. Yeah, that's, that's mine of its own, <laughs> that mustache. Um, He's like, I'm but, over 30, so I feel like this should be true. <laughs> Hashtag yeah, sign Verlaney. That's right, absolutely. We've, we've all been saying it for years. I, I, I do think that this will be happening on a case-by-case basis, right? In in the case of, like, Koulibaly, for example, who clearly still has a lot of good football left and is 31, right? Like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, if Koulibaly came into Chelsea this year, I don't think you'd find anyone going, wow, what a horrible signing. He's near retirement. Like, that's not the case. You know, a 37-year-old, 38-year-old Thiago Silva does not happen all that often. I mean, this is a... It is a really, really special case with a really, really special player that has taken care of himself um, and and had an incredible career. I think you could make the same case for Ronaldo at United. Like he's a 37 going on 38 year old player who's taking care of himself, probably has uh, the physical stamina of a, of a young 30 year old because he's done a great job. Like this is, you know, a case by case basis. If if Thomas Tuchel thinks that Lewandowski can come to Chelsea and score 40 goals in a season, get his ass here. <laughs> like, I don't, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Yeah. 
Um, I, again, I think a lot of questions, you know, around the, the ownership and strategy, because that's what's new. Uh, and who or at Anthony zero seven nine eight three zero three nine asks, um, do you think the owners are concerned? <laughs> do you think the owners are concerned about taking a loss on players? Uh, new owners, sh- he doesn't think the new owners should worry about losing money when it was never theirs in the first place. They're playing with house money right now, right? Like they paid the value for the club that that's already wrapped up into it. Do they just cut Lukaku loose, right? Do they not worry about how much is paid for Hakim Ziyech? Do they not worried about Timo Werner and, and Kai Havertz's is, is um, sign-on fees? Dan's about to explode with finance knowledge. Let's go. Come on, Dan. Well, actually, due to my calculations, <laughs> I can completely confirm. Uh, Pivot tables. Yes. Look, uh, if you don't love good Excel macro, then what are you even doing with your life? That's That's all I'm saying. I think in living. general, we're, we're living, <laughs> living. <laughs> no, no, I'm living. Yeah, you're not. Um, I, my dog is even super excited about macros. Just can't can't get enough. I think in general, uh, there is some some level of financial write off you could expect or plan for in a scenario like this when you have taken over an asset and you now have the willingness to potentially say, these were not my problems, these were not my mistakes, but they happened, and now I'm going to fix them. And fixing them sometimes means writing off a a bad asset. And whether or not, or what size of write-off we're talking about is now really the question. So players who are very near the end of their contracts, who have basically no, none of their initial transfer value potentially still exists, or a minimal amount that still exists, writing them off becomes a super easy situation. I know we all are potentially thinking about the Lukaku situation, most likely, as the central to these. That is a very large financial situation Extreme. to navigate. Yeah, this, this yeah. is a, like, we're talking about 20 million euro fees, loan fees. That, to me, feels like some very fun accounting that is basically trying to find any which way to say, well, yes, you paid us, uh, we paid you for this year, but then you pay us back a certain amount, and so now really our book value for Lukaku drops to $5 million this year. And he's still in our books from a numbers perspective, but now we've reduced the numbers significantly. And if you get the wages off, you know, highest paid player on the team, you put yourself in a situation where you effectively – Give yourself latitude to sign a bunch of additional players, stay under financial fair play regulations, and not run afoul of them. Uh, because, uh, by the way, uh, there might be an issue with that. Uh, if you're if you're reading just the headlines, you think that Chelsea are in uh, in crisis again, but that that's not the case. Everything's gonna be fine. All right. Well, that's it. I think we covered a lot. A lot of the the headlines that are out there that are fresh. Uh, and a lot of the burning questions from everyone. I mean, look, there's just a lot of uncertainty. Uh, how is Bully going to run the club? We don't know yet, but, you know, all signs point to to good. Remember, they ha- they're stuck with it for 10 years, so they're not going to do anything rash, which I think is important. So, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap us up. KSL this weekend, everybody, so make sure to subscribe, uh, share with a friend, get everyone hyped. It's going to be fun. Um, so that's kind of the, the big one every year that we look forward to. But anyways, that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.